Hey, I'm not surprised, motherfuckers. <laughs> What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to the Quartet Sign-Up Podcast today. I am Josh Shevinoff. He is the one and only Angel Ortega. A lot of stuff to talk about today. UFC Vegas 32-33, Bellator, NBA, and more. Before we get into that, I'll talk to you guys about Rogue Energy. Rogue Energy was founded in January of 2017 to be the best gaming drink in the world. They've developed a premium stack of the former delicious energy and focus drink. It's designed to place not only candy drinks, coffee, and even traditional pretty workouts. Rogue Energy is sugar-free and is loaded with vitamins, antioxidants, and nootropics. They designed Rogue Energy for the emerging professional competitive gaming market and continues to have fantastic carryover and success with students, athletes, entrepreneurs, and anyone looking to optimize the mental and physical performance. If you win 10% off your order, use the code SOUNDOFF at checkout. This code SOUNDOFF at checkout for 10% of all your energy needs. Last Saturday night from the UFC Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada, in front of a sold-out crowd of 51 people, TJ Dillashaw made his triumphant return, uh, albeit controversial fashion, uh, obviously returning after testing positive for the EPO, taking two and a half years off, facing the number second-ranked bantamweight in the world and Corey the Sandman Sandhagen. And uh, look, man, a lot of people disagree, but at the end of the day, TJ gets the job done, winning via split decision after five hard rounds. Two judges giving the fight to him 48-47, and ultimately one giving rounds. Uh, well, honestly, they all had different tour cards, but one of them gave the fight to San Hagen 48-47. Angel, my man. Uh, first of all, this is not the only controversial decision we're going to talk about today. Uh, but first, what did you think about the fight? Did you? I know that you went ahead and picked Corey. Uh, did you think that he did enough to win? Because over, I've seen the on the night of, I saw a lot of people like, oh, you know, it was it was a close enough fight. It is what it is. Now I'm seeing kind of the it's it's kind of turned a lot in the fact, and a lot of people tend to think Sanhagen got robbed. Uh, what is kind of your perception of that fight? Look, it was a close fight. Obviously, there's the whole argument for the ten. What is it? The second round, ten eight, right? I think that's what uh I saw. If I remember, was it that round? Yeah, ten eight. Yeah. Yeah, that's. I, in the moment, I knew it was a close fight. I mean, I was sitting next to someone who said they had a 3-1 for for TJ, and I was just like, uh, I disagree with that. I think it's 2-2, if anything, going into this round. And it was. That's what a lot of the judges had it right going into that fifth round, mm-hmm. if I remember right. And a lot of people did. Obviously, there was a mixture of opinions. It was close in the moment. And, you know, it re, it's, it's always, like in the moment, it's always going to be different once, you know, a day later when you can go back and rewatch the fight. You know what I mean? That's just the yeah. nature of the fight game. Because uh, I can sit here now and be like, well, if you really break down this right, you know, and you know, we can get into specifics. But in, you know, I, at the end of the day, uh, for me, uh, since and and it's probably because my invest, I I have decently invested into these guys, not as much as other guys. So maybe I'm not as passionate about it right now. But I, I, I it was a banger of a fight, man. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think that's why maybe I wasn't mad because I was like, oh, that was such a good fight. I did come out of that kind of being like I was more and and and, and some people might disagree with this on I me. Mean, I felt more impressed with Corey than I did with TJ, and mm-hmm. uh, and it was for a number of reasons. And uh, I was really just happy to see him come out here and perform and, and give us a banger. Fight. Like I want to see those guys fight again. Like if they would have like if that fight would have been a draw and they're like we got to run this shit back, I would have been perfectly fine with that. Like that mm-hmm. that's fucking awesome. 
Like it was, it was a great fight. I was entertained. And at the end of the day, for me, that's that's what a lot of this means is just to have like getting my true entertainment value out of it. That's fair enough, man. I mean, on the night of, I generally was kind of on the, um, I was kind of on the wavelength of thinking that really, um, I honestly thought TJ won. Uh, I did. I mean, I was like, you know what, round two could have been a 10-8, but I mean, he really busted him up that round. But you know what, TJ was just, he was doing a lot in those, you know, getting Corey to the fence, always moving forward. And then I remembered something and I went back and rewatched the fight after remembering this. Those things, those moments whenever TJ is moving forward, octagon control, pushing Corey to the fence and looking for a takedown, not really doing anything with the position, both guys just chilling there. That's not supposed to matter if the striking is not equal. And TJ Dillashaw spent most of that fight getting pieced up by Corey Sandade. He landed a couple calf kicks that really, they they seemed hard, but they didn't really seem to have any effect. On the night of, I gave... Um, Rounds one, four, and five to Dillashaw. Although, like I said, I think I was not one, four, five. I gave him one, three, and four. Round five, I gave to Sandy. Um, after rewatching it, I think I gave TJ only round one. Honestly. And round two might have been a 10-8. Because it's one of those things, like, it's hard to remember in the moment that you're, like... Because we've been so conditioned, right, Angel, to kind of, like, think in the mindset of, like, whenever, oh, there's a takedown. Oh, that's very, very important. Now, one dude may have been getting pieced up before on the feet, but that takedown is supposed to mean something in the eyes of the judges. Except that's not how the fucking judging criteria works. And I'm still stuck in that mindset. Um, And so were the judges, which is why TJ got the win. But it's very important to remember here, octagon control is not supposed to matter. Like, TJ walking forward and getting hit with the jab and hitting getting hit with the same straight right hand 17 times throughout the fight like like that's that's what that was that stuff is not supposed to matter in the circumstance of if the striking's not equal and the striking was not equal tj was losing on the feet for pretty much the entire duration of that fight um now am i gonna be mad about it no not really i mean look i it was impressive in the way that um tj was able to rebound uh rebound and stay in the fight after round one and round two obviously round one Corey yanked on his leg, and I don't know if it's confirmed that anything got torn, but he still jacked up his leg regardless in that leg lock attempt in round one. Round two, he nearly finished him, knocked him down, got a ma- uh, massive cut. Uh, so it was impressive to see TJ rebound. But I, my kind of kind of thoughts, because I'm pretty sure I'm the only person on this world that has this opinion. Um, but Angel, coming out of that fight, he's 35 now. He just went through a war. Do you think it's still the same T.J. Dillashaw? Now, obviously, he did technically come away with the win. He's number two in the rankings. But looking at him physically, looking at him in that fight, you think it was the same T.J. Dillashaw? Do you think he's entirely back? To an extent. To an extent, I think. I think uh, he's aged. It's just time. You know, in a division where guys are quick, fast, and there's a lot of youth, he's going to struggle a lot. It's just a fact of life. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh you know, I, if he does fight Piotr, I mean, that's a fucking hard fight for him, man. I mean, if this was TJ Dillashaw, you know, three years ago, I feel pretty confident. I feel like he'd, he'd be pretty, you know, I, I'd be like, it's a hard fight. Obviously, his opponent's very talented. And I'm using Piotr as an example because, you know, Piotr's about to fight here soon. He was a former champion for Aljamain, and, you know, we had the whole controversy with that fight. Whatever, right? We're past it now. Uh, you know, it, it there's there's a lot of questions were answered. And he was, he was, uh, you know, he didn't come out of that 
you know, easily, like you said. And he afterwards, there was a statement released about how fucked up he was, like how he wasn't like fully like healed and how his knees fucked and how mm. that same cut reopened. And, you know, it'll be a while before he fights again, which I think is a good thing. I think maybe like mid next year, maybe. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People are saying early next year. Uh, I don't know about early next year. Like. Well, I think here's an unpopular opinion. Like, I'm not sure if it's unpopular, really, but uh-huh. um, obviously those Piotr Jan and Aljamain Sterling aren't going to fight until October. I don't think either one of those guys, win, lose, or draw, are going to come out of it unscathed. I'm sure they're going to have problems. So I, I, I'm sure the time, I'm sure the timeline is going to work fine for those guys. Oh yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think it'll be more to like mid, mid to early next year, but not mm-hmm. not leaning towards early in between those. Mm-hmm. So if, if if TJ is to fight for the title or whatever the plans of your CR, I'm pretty sure they would they'll definitely throw TJ without a doubt. But uh, yeah, no, like I said, there was there was a lot of shit that we kind of found out afterwards about TJ with kind of like shit with his body and kind of where it's at. And you know he he still had his, some of his same aspects and stuff like that, but you can tell it's not like a fully 100% him. But at the same time, that's because it's his first time back, first time having to cut the weight again. You know, first time getting back into fight, you know, fight we, you know, all all the same stuff during COVID. You know, there's a bunch of shit. So there's a st- there's a lot of little factors. I think if we see him fight, whenever we see him fight again for the championship, which is it, which will be a big deal, and obviously by then, you know, after that fight, I think we'll have a lot of our TJ questions answered. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, coming out of it, honestly, like, is it's possible that like all those things didn't truly happen? Because TJ had, like, a list, like, long as shit in the post-fight press conference about, like, reasons why, like, you know, he may have looked slower in there. Because, like, oh, you know, I, I messed up my foot. You know, I, I ruptured got a cut, my testicle. My leg hurt. My, I, I couldn't lift. My dog died. You know, like, so on and so <laughs> on. Um, like, he had legitimately, like, 12 different things. Do I, I mean, I'm going to be honest. I'm not sure how much I believe all that. Because here's a secret. Every single fighter is hurt. Every single fight, no fighter, unless they're coming in on very, very short notice, every single one of them gets fucked up at training. So I'm not sure how much I really take stock in it. Uh, it's like whenever Connor was making excuses recently, like, is it possible that, yes, he did have an injury? Did that matter that much? Because I'm sure Dustin also had in- injuries. I mean, it's it's kind of a mute point in that way. Um, but let's go ahead and take TJ at base value. It's entirely possible that is why he looked slower. Because I remember thinking, like, man, TJ Dillashaw, he, he, I'm, like I said, on the night up, I thought he won. Um, and I was like, still at the time, I was like, he looked like a step slower than what we last saw him. Like he he did legitimately look a lot slower. He didn't he didn't pack as much of a punch. Um, his cardio looked fine, but at the same time, he had much 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 less of an output um, in the latter rounds. Like I mean, old DJ Dillashaw probably because he was on literal you know EPO. Uh, but you know he he could go for five rounds, huge output, so on and so forth. He wasn't able to do that this time around. Um, I thought he looked a step slower. That's not an insult because I think TJ Dillashaw, like the last time he fought a bantamweight, was him smashing Cody, like prime Cody Garbrandt that was coming off of, you know, him dominating Cruz. So, and he just smashed him twice in a row. So, um, at the same time, I think he's lost a step, but damn, dude, even TJ Dillashaw off the EPO lost a step, still looked really good against Corey Sandhagen. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, it is what it is. He's going to fight for the title next. Apparently, something interesting he said is that he's supposed to fight for the title before this. And then the Aljamain and Piotr Jan, obviously, Aljo won the title in the controversial fashion. So they're running that back. I think that's 
crazy they were going to give him a title shot after coming off of the EPO suspension. But they did the same thing for John Jones, so I'm not really sure what I expected. Um, moving on down to the co-main, though, man. For the first time in the history of the show, Josh did not pick one of its guys. I picked Josh. You know, we've talked about this before off the show, Angel. We talked a bit briefly on air. We have our guys. You know, we have our dudes. Rulon Pavia is my fucking guy. And for the first time, I did not pick one of my guys. You know what he did? He sprung a massive, massive upset. Not without some controversy, which we'll talk about. Oh, yeah. Rulon Pavia defeating Kyler Phillips in, in an absolute war, my man. This is fight of the night, uh, upsetting Kyler Phillips, who looks like one of the top prospects at bantamweight. I uh, beat him via majority decision 29-28, 29-28, That 28-28 coming as a result of round one where Kyler Phillips Kyler Phillips really put a beating on him, got 110 around. Controversy being Angel, did you agree with the scorecards? Because a lot of people seem to think it should have been a draw. Yeah, I, the whole argument's that first round, the whole 10-8 first round. Mm. Uh, like I tell you, man, obviously we we watch these fights in groups. Sometimes you're not paying a lot of, like a lot of attention. I remember watching. I remember being like, oh, okay, because you know you, I kind of pay attention for a bit of the first round. I look at the last two rounds and I'm like, okay, that seemed fine. And then afterwards, uh, I hear like, wait, what? And I'm like, I start looking into it a little bit. And I'm like, oh, okay. I see what I missed. <laughs> fair so, enough, yeah, fair. There, was, there was a whole controversy with the potential round one, 10-8 uh, round. Because he got dropped in that round and he got lit the fuck up that first Did you round. think it was a 10-8 round? I need to watch it. I need to watch it again and tell you 100% mm-hmm. that for a fact. Because I've definitely been one who I'm like... I don't know, man. I think that should be a 10 8. Like, I'm not, like, super afraid of throwing it out there. I know, like, uh, a lot of people disagree with the, the times I've said it when I've been to, like, in groups and I've mentioned, like, I don't know. I can see that as a 10 8. I wouldn't have an issue with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's fair enough. I mean, personally, I'm biased. I mean, I've, I've, I've hyped up really on Pavi on this show for honestly no reason, but ever since he knocked out Mark De La Rosa, I was like, I like this kid. Um, but, um, you know, I, I, I it's very unpopular, and I'm saying probably saying because I'm biased, but I had no problem with it being not a 10-8. I thought he did just enough. Like, he got dropped, but I thought he did enough to stay out of that 10-8 zone. Um, but at the same time, if they would have had it been, been a draw, I was like, okay, yeah, I get that. Um, I was a little bit surprised, but damn, dude, what, what a coming out party for that kid. This is a guy who came into the UFC um, not very hyped up. I mean, he, he was um, – I want to say he was undefeated coming into the UFC. If he was not undefeated, he was, yeah, he was he was um, 18 and one coming into the UFC. Gets two losses in a row, loses to Kai Car France, gets knocked out right after that. Then after that, dude, I mean, three straight wins, Mark De La Rosa knockout win, um, ends up moving up to bantamweight, pulls off a massive upset. Shout out to Rulon Pavia, man. That's that's a bright bright kid. Still only 25. Um, did not break into the rankings, I believe, unless I'm missing him uh which i thought was a little bit surprising given the fact that Kyler Phillips was ranked 13 and seen as like one of the you know more respected prospects in the division but it is what it is uh, as far as the rest of the card goes man this was an interesting i mean honestly probably one of my favorite cards of the year in terms of pure violence uh what are some of the fights that you want to go and highlight just up and down the card i mean we could just keep going down josh we got to highlight it i mean it's right below it I mean, Derek Elkins winning in Derek Elkins fashion. I mean, Josh, are you surprised? <laughs> Let's be honest. I mean, look, I think 
long after I've died and left this earth, Darren Elkins will still be coming back after 10-8 rounds to pull off upsets. I think that's I think that's what's going to happen. Because, like, this is a guy – I mean, it's important to remember here. Like, he lost round one, and he came back and won. I was not particularly surprised. But, like, his career trajectory is just so insane. Like, this is a guy that like wasn't much in the UFC. I mean, he started off – he would he would beat a couple guys and lose to a couple guys, and he had that massive win streak. And then he lost four in a row, and it looked like he was probably going to get cut, dude. I mean, the guy lost to Nate Landwehr. Like, that's not... <laughs> that, was, that was a point that he was in his career. He lost to Nate Landwehr. Yeah, that's a tough... But, dude, back-to-back wins. And, and honestly, Derek Minner's a tough motherfucker, bro. That's that's a tough challenge. Uh, so, for him to come back at that one was huge. But um, I feel like one of the... I mean, we can go ahead and skip below that one, too, dude. But, like, I think probably one of the biggest things coming out of this card was... And it's a fight that we talked about a lot at, at length. Um, Macy Barber against Miranda Maverick. Is this the worst decision all year that you think, like, to this point? Like, did you agree? I mean, I'm sure I, you didn't agree with the decision. You have eyes. But, like, did, uh, like what do you, is this probably the worst decision you've seen in quite some time? Look, I'm not going to disagree with it because, be, like, like, I tell you, fights blend in. I, I do my thing, right, to try to remember as much as I can. It's like it seems like uh, unanimously the whole thing is Miranda Maverick should have won the fight. If anything, Macy Barber looked good in the third round, right? That's the whole thing. I mean, yeah, I mean she looked good in round three, but it's also important to remember one of the reasons why she looked good in round three is because Miranda Maverick took a step back in round three because she so clearly won rounds one and two that you know she didn't push as hard for like. To, to close it out great um mm-hmm. it was it's probably i wonder how the, open scoring would have affected that like if it would have been like yeah miranda you're down on one of the judges cards like they have it tied going into this <laughs> you know what i mean it is like, it's it's hands it's probably the worst decision i've seen in a long time i mean i'll i'll say it's it's without a doubt probably like i can't legitimately think of a worse one all year um, oh, for the year, as I say, if we go lifetime, I'm sure you can think of one. Lifetime, I mean, Jones Reyes is a really bad one, um, but I mean, so so on and so forth. I mean, this is bad decisions all the time, but like, this is the worst. I'll say this: this is the worst women's MMA decision I think I've probably ever seen. Like, like I'm telling you now, though, do you think open scoring would have benefited in this case? In this case, where they would have been like, "Yeah, Miranda, you're down around on one of the judges' scorecards." Yeah, probably. But the same, like, probably, I think it would have benefited. Um, cause then I think round three, they probably would have both just swing and bang. But like at the same time, it's like, that could have been she, dangerous too. Yeah. But also, I mean, I don't think Macy Barber had the, really the power to probably put Miranda Maverick on. I, I don't know. That one did just piss me off. I mean, for, like, here's the thing, like judging pisses me off in general, but this was just, this is egregiously bad. Um, cause not only, I don't understand how you can watch that fight and think that you won. Like, look, TJ, Dill- I mean, we just brought two other fights, right? Like TJ Dillashaw. Uh, Corey Sandhagen and then Rulon Pavi and Kyler Phillips. If he had did, if he had to draw or he didn't have to draw, fine. I see it. TJ Corey, I get it. Fine. Even if he had a draw for that fight, I wouldn't have a problem with it. This one, I'm not sure how. If you follow the sport, even in the slightest, how you can be so fucking blind? Like round one, she clicked. She doubled her up on the strikes. Like she literally doubled her up in strikes on the feet. Round two, she did the same thing. Got the back. Nearly finished her in the final seconds of the round. She was going for the rear naked choke, couldn't get it, so she just tried to pound her out in the, in the got fucking back mount and just dominated. How do you give that fight to Benicio Barber? It's beyond me. 
yeah, it what, just, round, it just, what round did they give her? Give her outside of round three. Uh, two of the judges gave uh, Barbara round two. Round two, and that was where she got her back taken, and uh, she got I, doubled up. With the so the judges were like, "Man, fuck jujitsu." <laughs> I just, I can't. It's like here's the thing, right? Is like I remember watching it. I was like, because obviously, you know, Amanda Maverick was clearly winning on the feet in that round, and then Macy got like a bullshit takedown that like. <laughs> You know, she didn't do anything with it. But when she got that taken, I was like, oh, damn, that's not good. That's not good. The judges love meaningless takedowns. Like, <laughs> like they love them. But then, you know what happened? Miranda Maverick got straight back up and then took Macy Barber down, got back mount, landed a bunch of strikes, neither got the rear naked choke. And I was like, oh, shit. Well, yeah, she she took that round right back. There's no problem then. But no, I mean, I guess, like, getting outstruck on the feet and then getting a pointless takedown. Is good enough to win either round. I, I don't know. It's it's towards the judging decision I've seen in a net women women's MMA fight probably all the time. So history at UFC Vegas 32. Oh, you're right. But yeah, man, Adrian Yan is got a nice knockout win over Randy Costa to start the show. Um, Ian Heinish, dude, that sucks. Uh, he's now lost four of his last five four of his last five fights. A really tough streak for that guy. Um, Sajari Eubanks got a nice win. Uh, I know your fav- your girl, Hanny- Hannah Goldie, did not come out on top, so I'm sorry about that, Angel. Um, but she still has a big and bright future, I'm sure. Um, Julio Arce defeating Andre Yu was a nice one. And then shout out Mickey Gall, man. I think this was, like, low-key in, like, the, the, the hearts of those who love, you know... Like these these certain guys who've come up very very slowly. This this was like a, a a win, right? Like a true genuine win for Mickey Gall. Like one where he looked. You remember how we were talking prior to this fight? How we were like, he hasn't evolved. He hasn't grown. What are no. his plans in the sport? Mm-hmm. He finally showed a glimpse of that. Now, granted, it was against Jordan Williams. Jordan Williams is a tough son of a bitch, though. He's fought in Bellator. Yeah, he's been around. He 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 goes through a lot to to fight. You know, he's a fighter every day uh, in and out of the cage. So, you know, you, you got to give credit to the guy. You know, I'm not going to take a lot away from this win either. But uh, Mickey Gall, man, he, I, I want to see him fight again this year, man. I, I want to see him fight at least one more time this year, get another one. And, uh, I mean, I, get, I think they, they said on the broadcast, I mean, he's working with Matt Brown now. I mean, what, what a guy to work with, right? Uh and shout out to Mickey, you know, he obviously uses striking and went back to his bread and brother with his jujitsu, and that's what he really needed to do, probably from the start of his career. And granted, he, him as a whole as an MMA fighter is still like very young, which is a weird thing to say for a guy who's been in the UFC this long, because mm-hmm. uh, he's pretty much grown up in the UFC, like kind of like Bellator style, you know. Well, every single fight he's had quite lit. I mean even his debut technically wasn't in the UFC but it was on UFC programming like Dana White was coming and they were doing the whole looking for a fight thing so every single fight he's had has been on UFC programming that's pretty insane to me mm-hmm. like he's he's entirely grown up in the UFC and like I said dude like I mean we've seen him kind of evolve his game but not enough to the point to where like he looks like he could be a contender this is the first time where I saw Mickey Gall fight where I'm like oh shit this kid, like, I remember the first time in a long time, like, oh, shit, this kid still has a lot of talent. He still has a lot of physical ability. Because he, he battered him on the feet. 
you know, he nearly finished him on the feet, ends up getting, you know, ends up getting the choke. Did he drop and him or he hurt him or something like early he, on? He, he hurt him really bad early on, dropped him with an uppercut. Yeah, like that was pretty impressive. And then he, he stayed calm, he stayed composed, um, ended up getting the finish with this choke. I mean, and by the way, it's crazy. It doesn't sound real. Mickey Gall is now tied for second place. In the all-time UFC submissions at welterweight. Really? Yeah. That's Who's serious. number one? Damian Maya, I believe. Okay, no, no surprise. I don't even know why I asked that. Never yeah. mind. Yeah. I'm How many does Damian Maya have? Like, like ten, eleven? Something insane. I remember they showed they showed it on the broadcast. I don't entirely remember. <laughs> Dang, he has that much of a fucking gap, <laughs> probably. Yeah, All right. It's it's crazy. But yeah, dude, shout out to Mickey Gall. I, yeah, I should have known that. They don't even know why I asked, honestly. <laughs> no, nah, man, you, you love to see it. It's good to see the kid pick up the win. Uh, and I say kid, Mickey Gall is almost 30 now. So I feel really old. Isn't that crazy? Mickey Gall is almost 30 years old. Dude, it, it, I, I try to not think about it because, Andrew, I mean, whenever, I mean, dude, we were, we were 15 whenever we saw him. <laughs> Him fight CM Punk. You know what's crazy though? We'll be here at one point when we're thirty. I hope, right? We'll be here at one yeah. point when we're thirty years old, and we'll be like, "Okay, guys, UFC three hundred eighty-seven. Uh, uh, you know, uh, mini blessed versus Joel Romero. <laughs> <laughs> now, keep in mind, guys, we're here in the year, you know, fucking twenty whatever." And now with, you know, nanotechnology, Yoel Romero can fight to the age of 60. He John literally Jones has popped for the 14th time. Yes, you know. Stephen Miocic is still mad about not receiving. Stephen Miocic is still fighting for heavyweight titles. He's be making, <laughs> he'll, make his, he'll be fighting against Francis Ngannou's son for this one. You know what I mean? Like, we'll be at that point. If he wins, he has stated that he's going to take some much-deserved time off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, Max Holloway anyway. is still fighting. <laughs> <laughs> anyways, anyways, yeah, man. He's been around the game for a while. It kind of fucks me up how old he is. But regardless, um, moving on, this Saturday night, man, we got a card. It's, it's, it's something. It's, it's a UFC event. It's a... Uh, it's a UFC event for sure. Uh, UC Vegas 33 from the UFC Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, main events, middleweight contenders. It feels weird to call them contenders, but honestly, they are. Uh, Uriah Hall finally hitting his prime at the ripe age of 36. Um, Going to be actually turning 37 tomorrow. And he's fighting um, Sean Strickland who moved up to middleweight, or moved back up to middleweight, I should say, uh, back a couple of years ago. Well, I guess it would have been last year in October against Jack Marshman. He's had three dominant wins since then, knocking out Brendan Allen and just completely dominating Christoph Jocko. Um, look, man, this is a very interesting fight. A lot's been talked about in the lead-up. Sean Strickland saying a lot of... Sean Str- I love this, man. He's a very weird guy. Um, I don't think he has all the, all the marbles up there, but he's still very, very fun. And, and just the the buildup to this has been incredibly strange, but also very, very fun. Um, who do you got in the main event? And I mean, how, man? I mean, this is, this is a very interesting matchup. Uh, but what do you think is going to happen come Saturday night? 
You know, this this card has been a shit show, Josh. I mean, we this card was going to be good. You remember a while back, I was like, oh, dude, they got this person on here. They got this person on here. Like, I I was actually really looking forward to this card at one point. This card, before we get into it, has been utterly fucked for a number of reasons, Josh. I mean, at one point, this card was going to have Duho Choi, Askar Askarov, Nico, Nico Montano, who missed weight today. We just found Eight that pounds. out. pounds. She's done. Uh, She's Sam done. Alvey, uh, Chris Dawkins. I mean, we were. This card was set to be a pretty, de- you know, a pretty decent card. Maybe not the, the greatest card, but a sneakily decent card, right? It had good names. Now, uh, now it's tough. It, it it's just this, man. We we kind of we we kind of get just this. We just you know that's how it goes. But I, I mean, like I said, the the main event is still great. You know, that's that's still the thing we got to look forward to. Uriah Hall, Sean Strickland, man. I mean, look, I think. No matter what, I think Sean Strickland, if he is to win, he wins by decision. If Uriah Hall wins, I think it's it's, it's more likely than not going to be a decision or going to be a finish, I mean. Uh, I feel like, obviously, a clear avenue for both guys just based off how they generally normally win. Uh, man, you, you know, I've been on the Uriah Hall tra- hype train, man. I, I, I'm going to stick with him, man. You know, like, you know, I don't, we don't always pick the guy that is probably the safest answer, the best answer. But I want to see him win, man. I want to see your, you know, because one, I know they can make the Uriah Hall title shot happen at some point. Does he win? You know, it's going to be a tough out. I'm not going to say he does, <laughs> but I want to see him in that position one time, man, and, you know, put it out there, right? It, it, sometimes you just want to see some guys get their chance. You know, they're not always going to succeed, but you want to see him do it. He's on the older end of it. This is his last, I mean, this is this is his last run, right, Josh? Like, there's, there's no other run after this, right? Probably not. Probably not. I mean, we'll keep it real here. This, this is his last run at probably the title. He's not going to get another chance. I mean, he's facing a, a, a younger guy who has looked great ever since coming back, right? Making the weight change, finding some success, working hard in the gym. And, uh, you know, your, your eyes are the name, man. He, he has eyes on him. He's, he's you know, he's obviously lacked his own things throughout his career. And, uh, and, and, you know, a lot of the talk has been his mental throughout his career and whether or not he, he, he's there all the time, if he, if he genuinely wants to be there and, and, and is mentally tough when, when things get hard. But, uh, I, I think now he's, he's, we've kind of got a, a better, more mature, more, more confident. And I'm not saying he was immature in the past, but he, he knows himself better than anyone at this point. And obviously he always has, but now it's more clear to himself what he's capable of doing and uh i I I think you can do it man i'm gonna pick my boy uriah hall that's fair man that's fair i think you laid out a good case and uh you know notably we both kind of pushed this idea that uriah he's hitting his prime he's he's finally figured it out and and so on and so forth and it's hard to argue with the results man i mean it really is now you can i mean he did beat chris weidman (laughs) The only time where a guy's won without landing a strike, um, you can. But even if you want to discount that one, I mean, Antonio Carlos Jr. That's a good win, a great comeback win over Benavidez Lutis. That's a great win. Knockout over Chris Jocko. That's a great win. Knocked out Anderson Silva. Ended Anderson's UFC career, dude. I mean, he, that was that was a great win. At the end of the day, though, man, I truly believe Sean Strickland is a really really bad matchup for him, and I hate to say it because I've been. I've been riding this hype train for a while. I got Sean Strickland on Saturday night, man. I think this is a guy that um, kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, I mean, really, I mean, he he was, you know, come back to 2020. Nobody gave it. I mean, people cared. I mean, he, he's not a bad fighter, but not a whole lot of people really cared that Sean Strickland was come back 
oh, he's moving up to middleweight. Yippee. I mean, he was a guy that like, you know, he he had some losses to some good guys, but he's never seen as like a top level guy. Um, his last two fights have been so dominant. He looks like he's found a good weight class for himself. I'm going to take it, man. I really I'm not happy about it. I would love to see Uriah Hall pull the win in, like you said, get that title shot, maybe next fight somewhere down the line, just because middleweight's running out of contenders for Izzy to fight. Um, but yeah, man, I, I am going to go Sean Strickland. I, I'm not proud of it. I'm not happy about it, but I am going to go ahead and do it. Um, as for the co-main event, this one, uh, it's a very cobbled together co-main event. Not going to lie, I but, completely forgot this was a co-main event. Yeah, it's it's a very cobbled together uh, co-main it was not supposed to be the co-main event but it's happening man um and i'm not gonna lie kind of like it i kind of like it in this it's a spot we got these two veterans two guys have been in the uc for like deceptively long times uh i mean just as an example ronnie yaya obviously we know he's been around since the w he's been around since wec he fought a k1 dynamite dynamite um he's been in the uc since uc 133 and you know king hunk Kyung-hyo has been in the UFC since 2013. Um, very interesting fight. Stylistically, obviously, Ronnie Yaya, probably one of the most accomplished, like, grapplers in UFC history. It's easy to forget, but, I mean, you can look him up multiple-time ADCC world champion. Um, so, I mean, who do, you, who do you got in this kind of this kind of cobbled-together co-main event? Who do you got? I mean, Kang, Kang has good jiu-jitsu himself, obviously, against Yaya. I mean, you know that jujitsu is uh, another level, right? You know, like you, you know, you brought up the ADCC and and all that. I mean, obviously, the you know his his road to winning is obviously keeping it on the feet, avoiding the ground, uh, a lot of danger there, right? You know, you obviously don't want to get caught up down there. And uh, yeah, he's creative with his you know his submissions. He won't he won't he'll go for Camaros. He'll do he'll do a variety of things. You know, he he won't just catch you in the traditional chokes. Uh, you know, he'll attack those arms and those limbs and just make it difficult for you. Um, I don't know. Uh, this, I, I think Yaya is a safe pick here. If I think if did if, if yeah, because without a doubt, if it ends up on the ground, I think he 100% is able to hunt maybe a submission down and maybe get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. I'm also gonna go Ronnie Yaya here, and it, it's interesting because, I mean, first of all, I really, honestly, he he could tell he's he's gotten older. Honestly, you really have. He's 36 now, and when we're fighting in a, a smaller weight class, obviously he fights at 145. Um, well, actually, this fight's taking place at 135. My apologies. Um, you can kind of tell that, like, it's harder for these dudes whenever they get older. And I thought against Ray Rodriguez, he looked pretty slow, man. Honestly, didn't matter. He got the sub win. Um, but you can tell he's kind of getting up there in age. I like to see him make one final run because he never really truly got that respect I think he deserved. Um, especially coming out of WEC, even in the UFC, I don't think he ever really cracked the top ten. Which, I mean, he he's still he's still really fucking good. So, um, that's no disrespect to Kang. Uh, obviously, he's coming off a three fight win streak. He's won six of his last seven. I would not be surprised in the slightest if he pulled pulled off the win. But I am gonna go the OG Ronnie Yaya here. WEC never die. Um, but as far as the rest of the card goes, <laughs> man, uh, what are some of? I mean. 
I mean, what, what do you want to talk about, man? Like, it's just, we got to fill our time. What do you got for the rest of this one? <laughs> uh, well, no, so I brought it up in the pre-show. I highlighted Rafa Garcia. Obviously, he came in, made his DUC debut against Nasra Haskaras, which we saw him, and he, he got a good one there. Rafa Garcia, though, in that fight, he didn't use any of his jiu-jitsu, any wrestling, which, if you go back and look at his record, multiple wins to be a submission. Uh, obviously, he's capable of doing that. Didn't use any of it in that fight. Decided to keep it a stand-up fight. I want to see if he comes out here, uses some of that, gets creative. Obviously, leads a strike in his ground game, or he leads his ground game to striking. You know, vice versa. I mean, he was undefeated, man. He was 12-0. Now he's 12-1. and Obviously, not a bad record by any means. Only one loss. And there was a new UFC debut. How else would you want it to happen, really? And against a young, good prospect. So if he can come up here, maybe get a good win over Chris. He'll look good. Obviously, Chris, he's game. He could always come out and do something good. Yeah, I mean, Chris Gritzmacher is a very interesting guy. I remember thinking, like, so obviously, I mean, he came in through tough. He was far from impressive. Um, I mean, and that's not to be disrespectful, but, I mean, I believe he got knocked the fuck out by Artem. Um, and that's not a good look. I mean, the GOAT, he is the GOAT. He actually just retired. Um, but being one of the few guys that Artem Lobot beat in the UFC is not exactly a great you know, it's not a great thing to have. Uh, and then he got, you know, he lost two fights in a row via submission. Then he comes back, takes like, he took like a lot of time off, comes back, beats the shit out of Joe Lobazon, like out of nowhere, bro. Like, and I'm, you, you know, Joe's probably my favorite fighter of all time. One of the guys that got me into really MMA. Uh, thanks. Uh, thanks PKA. Um, him going on that show. I've talked about it like at length on this show before, because we talked about how we got into MMA um, and him just knocking out, not just knocking the shit out of Joe Lawson depressed me, but he, he looked phenomenal. Came back and got KO'd by Alexander Hernandez, and that that's that was his last fight. So that fight should be very interesting. Two guys that kind of really need to win there. Um, as far as the rest of the card, uh, Zeruk Adeshev, Ryan Benoit should be fun. Now, neither one of these guys, I want to say Ryan Benoit is ranked, but I'm not entirely sure. Um, He's very much had a – he's had an interesting UC tenure. He's one of the OG flyweights. I mean, he's been around since 2013 when the division first came around. But, yeah, he, he averages like one fight a year, something along those lines, maybe even less. So, um, Zuru Gadeshev really needs a win here. Um, we hyped him up a lot as a former kickboxing champion for his fight against Tyson Nam, and he's looked – pretty bad since then but he well, granted hit, you know granted two, though two we, tough guys two tough yeah guys. but you also gotta yeah you gotta read into it he did fight tyson nom 135 not 125 up away class and then they put him against sue montagiri at 125 which yeah. that was a hard fight regardless of who you are for sure now now here i feel like he should be able he's to at least showcase yeah. more and maybe get a win he's also very small he's, he's very he's five i mean he's five foot nothing yeah, that's what I'm saying. So he should be more successful right now at 125. And he's fighting another guy who's 5'5", five five, realistic at 5'5". Five five. Yeah, but, you know, that should be a fun fight. I'm not sure. I mean, he's, it's still important to remember. He's still only five fights in MMA, so we'll see what happens. Uh, Brian Barbarino, Jason Witt should be a lot of fun. And then I got to go ahead and highlight my girl, Jin Yu Fry, taking on Ashley Yoder. Uh, Jin Yu Fry, it really sucks that she has to fight at 115 because she is a total atom weight at heart. Um Literally, her only fights at strawweight have been in the UFC um, because they don't have a, a 105 weight class. Personally, they should, but regardless, that's besides the point. Um, Ashley Order, that should be a very interesting fight. Um, 
although that's probably going to be one of the bigger size differences you're going to see. Ashley, you're just really big for that weight class in terms of height. And Jinyu Fry is on the lower end. I believe she's like five foot one or something along those lines. But should be a very, very fun fight. But who knows, man? This fight card, it does not look good on paper. But sometimes we get really fun fights uh, out of these types of cards. Um, uh, God willing, we'll see something good on come Saturday night. Um, but, dude, it's not the only MMA this weekend. And very rarely do we get these kind of cards because we talk about other MMA on the show. Obviously, that just comes to the territory. We're very much in a combat sports focused show. I mean, I obviously, we talk about basketball and football and hockey and baseball, other sports occasionally. Uh, but we're very much an MMA slash boxing oriented show. But very rarely do we have a fight come along to where it overshadows a UFC card or a UFC event. Bellator 263 is one of those cards. Um, the main event is, I mean, honestly, probably the greatest. I mean, it's it's tough to say, but it's in you can make a case for it being the best MMA fight like on paper this year. But let's go ahead and start preview, man. Bellator 263, the finals of the Bellator featherweight world Grand Prix, winner gets the world chi- the world title and one million dollars. Patricio Pitbull Fellier, a uh, longtime featherweight champion, has been the champ since 2017 when he took it back from Daniel Strauss. Uh, he's won, he, he's hitting his prime. And it feels weird because he's 34, but he's been hitting his prime, dude. I mean, Emmanuel Sanchez finished, Pedro Cavallo finished, Juan Archuleta, that was just a dominating win. Michael Chandler, knockout, so on and so forth. 32 and 4, two weight champion. And he's taking on AJ McKee, the young phenom, 26 years young, 17 and 0, and he's coming off of three finishes in a row against some of the top guys in Bellator's featherweight division: Georgie Karihani, a knockout; Derek Campos, armbar; Darian Caldwell, the former champ, submitted in the first round. Angel, on paper, man, what what intrigues this fight? What intrigues you so much about this fight? And who you got coming away with the one million dollars? I'll put it like this, man: we have. Probably outside of the UFC, Patricio Pitbull, one of the best featherweights in the world. You know, obviously for him being the Bellator, people will always question how good he is, his greatness, whatever, right? That's kind of where his staple is at. Trust me, if he was in the UFC, he probably easily, I think he easily beats most of the guys leading up into the top three, four. That's when I think it would get difficult for him and we would get into those harder fights. I'm going to keep it 100%. That's how good I think he is. Now, obviously, we laid it out. AJ McKee, you, you said it yourself. Young Phenom. Back in 2019, ESPN released, ESPN released their, uh, what is it, under 25, right? AJ McKee was number one on that list. Keep in mind, the UFC, the UFC has a deal with ESPN, and AJ McKee, who fights in Bellator, was number one. That's a big deal. I don't think people think hard about that. But isn't that kind of crazy, Josh? The UFC has a deal with ESPN, and on the under 25 for MMA, their number one guy was AJ McKee. Keep in mind, guys, where Jimmy Crete were on that list. Macy Barber, granted, though, this was before the Macy Barber losses and all that. I mean, then a number of young young guys who, who are and girls who are in the UFC now and are still in the UFC. Uh, I mean, that that's where my excitement is, Josh. I, I told you back when they had their face-off earlier this year, and I told you, I'm fucking excited for that. I think, that may, the, I, think I might be – in that moment when I saw that face-off, I was probably – I had been excited for another fight like in some time like that when they literally were face to face. That that's my whole perspective on this fight because that's that's what you asked me right there. So I'm gonna let you continue. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, man. And very rarely do we have, like, like I said, very rarely do we have a fight come along that has this sort of hype around it. Because sometimes we'll get hyped up about fights, but like the general public, because we we have our guys. I mean, we have our we have our dudes. But very rarely does like the general public kind of agree with that perception. This fight is one of those very very rare fights, man. And normally I let you go first for predictions, Angel Man. I think I think it's time. I truly believe we have watched this kid mature so much. I mean, he was so – it's very important to remember here. He's only 26 now, dude. He was 18 years old whenever he came into – actually, I may be wrong. He may have been uh, 19. Regardless, the point is he was he was barely a man when he came into Bellator. Um, he has won 17 fights all in Bellator. Um it just and it's kind of crazy to think about that it took him 17 fights to get a title shot, but we'll leave that out of the equation. Um, it's just it's insane, and I truly believe it's it's a new era, man. I I, I truly truly believe that. Um, he is so well rounded on the feet, on the ground. I I got AJ McKee pulling it off, man. I truly believe. I I think it's time. I think we've watched this kid rise up so much. We've heard for close to a decade now how good this kid is, how how great he is. And I, I think it's time, man. I mean, am I crazy to think this is that that's when it happened? I mean, who do you got in the main event? I mean, Josh, I mean, we like you said, we, we this has been a long time coming. I mean, he's, you know, ever since he was born, you know, his his dad's been he was competing in the sport. He's a legend of the game and people know him very well, speak very highly of him. Obviously never competed in the UFC, but uh, I mean, he, he had his own greatness outside of the UFC and competed very well. And uh, even even now as a coach, he's one of those guys that I know who people will bring in and help kind of rebuild their fighters and kind of, you know, kind of re- kind of find themselves or find themselves as, as a new person, as a fighter and really like fill out their game. And now, now he's here focused on his son, leading him into this fight. I mean, it, this is the first, you know, I remember I talked to you this very early on when we were and I think I might have brought it up on the podcast where I was like, Josh, I'm really excited to see that first generation of guys who have their kids fight. This is that first generation, that first guy that we know of who has reached the pinnacle right now, who's going to be doing that and is laying it all on the line, putting out the legacy and following the footsteps of his father in MMA. I mean, he he will be immortalized after this because he's going to be that first guy. There's no other person right now who's ever done it. I'm pretty sure there isn't. I mean, can you name anybody, Josh? I honestly can't think of anybody. Exactly. I mean, I, I can't think of anybody. And, and he's about to do it. And... I think he does it, man. I mean, he has beat his guys decisively, finishes. I mean, he's had no damage really in, in it. I mean, I think he did have an injury leading into one of those and, and still fought or had something come up in the middle of the fight. But he still fought, man, and, and he's done it first, third round, first round. I mean, it has been a, it's been a hell of a journey, and now here he sits, you know, 17 fights in, undefeated, and he fights himself in front of the champion. I just I refuse to believe he can't do it. Hmm. So, I I see we're we're pretty much in agreement then. Um, I I truly think it's time, man. I mean, it's it's kind of hard to like convey because the thing is like a lot of people are just now hearing about Age McKee, and he really got on a lot of people's radar after his last win over Darion Caldwell, and it made sense because he was an insane submission, especially to pull off against Darion Caldwell because that guy's a fucking stud. The guy was former champ for a reason. Um. But look, man, I, I truly believe it is his time. And for the first time in a long time, 
Bellator, they, they've got the world's attention. It's not UFC this weekend. It is Bellator time, baby. Um, and I truly believe it's it's time, man. It, it's, it is going to be time. But as far as the co-main events, um, this card, top to bottom, is probably the best Bellator card this year. Like, there's not, it's not heavy on names particularly, um, but at least the main card, for sure, is fucking excellent. Uh, co-main event, though, Mads Burnell uh, most notably made his name in Cage Warriors, former Cage Warriors featherweight champion. Uh, just made his Bellator debut back a couple of months ago, submitted Saul Rogers, who's honestly a phenomenal talent in his own right. He's taking on Emmanuel Sanchez. Emmanuel Sanchez is obviously coming off of his title shot um, against Patricio Fredier in the World Grand Prix, ranked number two in the world. His only losses um, in Bellator, uh, well, I take that back. I was about to say something incorrect. His only losses in Bellator are to Daniel Veitchel, Pat Curran, and twice to Patricio Fredier. Uh, so he's, if you're, the only way you're going to beat this guy is if you're fucking elite. That's that's the only way. And he avenged that loss to Daniel Vitral as well. Um, so look, man, who do you got in the co-main events of Featherweight Contenders? Winner, depending on how things shake out in the main event, could potentially be fighting for the title next. That's crazy. I think that's crazy if Emmanuel Sanchez finds himself in that position again, because obviously because of the tournament format, he's fighting the champion. If he finds himself in the bracket against the champion, he's fighting for the title. Uh you know something? I'd like to see that, you know, if if AJ Miki is to win, you know, obviously I'm not going to take, you know, I'm not going to say it like it is because we don't know yet. Mm-hmm. I'd love to see that Emmanuel Sanchez fucking AJ Miki matchup. I think that'd be a good matchup. I mean, they're both big, long, good jujitsu, good striking. Uh, I'd love to see that. Um, I mean, Matt Bruno, don't get me wrong. He's a good guy. He could come out here and do something, but I'm going to pick an Emmanuel Sanchez, man. I mean, I think as a whole, he's just a better fighter, has beat the better people has lost to the better competition. I know that's something you don't really want to like highlight necessarily, but you, like you said, you have to be fucking elite to beat Emmanuel Sanchez. And I don't know if Mads Brunel is at that level. Don't get me wrong, Mads Brunel is a good guy, but I don't think he's beating Emmanuel Sanchez. Yeah, I mean, this one, very, very hard for me to pick. Very, very difficult for me to pick. Um, simply just because like I was... I was high on Mads Brunel, even in the UFC. I think it's bullshit that he got cut. His only losses were to uh, Michael Brazeras, who is a just a Brazilian tank, 5'6", fighting him 170. Um, <laughs> and then his loss is to Arnold Allen. Um, and outside of that, he, he beat Mike Santiago. So he only had three fights in the, in, in the promotion. I turned right around, became Cage Warriors champion. Now he's 2-0 and in Bellator. The kid is a phenomenal talent, and Emmanuel Sanchez is an OG. Um it's very tough for me to pick, but I am going to go and stick with Emmanuel Sanchez. Like I said, the only way you're beating this guy is if you're fucking elite. That's the only way you're beating him, dude. I mean, Pat Curran, um, who, I mean, he was, a, I believe he was a former Bellator champion as well. I mean, I, I take that back. He was definitely Bellator champion. I actually want to say he won, he may have won even the tournament, like the lightweight tournament back in the day, and then he won the featherweight tournament right back to back. Something insane. Um, Pat Kern is just one of those OG guys that never fought in the UFC, which is disappointing. But anyways, he lost to him, and he he lost to Daniel Vitry. He avenged that one, and then he lost to Patricio. The first time around was super close, man. That was a super close fight people forget about. Um, and I truly believe that he, whenever he lost to Patricio earlier this year, that was the worst version of Emmanuel Sanchez we're going to see. Um, I was honestly really disappointed with how that fight went for him. It just felt like he, he got cracked early and wasn't able to recover. And he looked phenomenal going into that, man. I am still going to go and take – I'm taking Emmanuel Sanchez as well. I actually believe that that 
night earlier this year was just, it was it was an anomaly. It was honestly was. Um, but as far as the rest of the card goes, man, what did a couple of the other fights you would go and highlight? Uh, you know, I gotta highlight my boy Gucci Yamamuchi, man. He's fighting Chris Gonzalez, which Chris Gonzalez is a good guy. Obviously, I think he was one of those guys who they kind of got right out. I believe he had a wrestling background, right? They caught him right outside of college, right, and kind of led him into the MMA world. Look, he's good. He has good wrestling. He beat an aging Roger Huerta, who essentially gave up in that last fight. <laughs> I mean, let's keep it real. Uh, yeah. Obviously, Gochi, in my opinion, got robbed his last fight. I'm just saying, man, I thought he got robbed. I thought he won that fight. Keep it real with you. But uh, that's just how shit goes. Uh, you know, obviously, a big fight here for Chris. He's putting a name. He's trying to get himself up the rankings. Well, up the Bellator rankings, I should say. And... Uh, I mean, I think I think that'd be a banger of a fight, man. I mean, we'll see. A lot of people are like, you know, a lot of these guys are like, you know, I, I mean, he's good on the ground, but I think I'm better. We'll see if that's the case. Uh, you know, he's not the first guy we've heard say it, and then he's definitely not going to be the last guy we hear say it either. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, man. I mean, sh- I mean, just to go and clarify something, Gochi Yamaguchi was entirely robbed. Um, there's no, there's no. You know, arguably, that was that was a straight up robbery. One of the worst decisions all year. Um, but yeah, Chris Gonzalez, that should be a very, very fun fight. Um, Brent Primus is back, and I kind of I kind of dislike the fact that Brent Primus got a lot of shit. Because, um, I mean, we, we watched this one live, funnily enough. Whenever he beat Michael Chandler via the leg injury, um, it was the same thing that Cejudo had in his fight against DJ the second time around. So, DJ, you know, Cejudo was allowed to fight through it. Uh, Chandler was not. And he got a bunch of shit for that. Because of the way he won the belt, and then I mean, he obviously got dominated by Chandler. Not that there's anything wrong with that, uh, but he has such good jujitsu, man. Um, he's very, very underrated. His inactivity is what kills him. You know, I mean, he's only fought eleven times in in eleven years in his entire career. Um, I am still looking forward to him fighting Usman Nurmagomedov. Is fighting, which should be a lot of fun. Georgie Kalihanian versus Kiefer Crosby. One of the first fights I'm in the card. They got a lot of heat on this one. These guys, these guys have been going back and forth for a while. It should be very, very fun to watch that one. Georgie Kalihanian, uh, getting up there a bit in age, but he's still one of the OGs of Bellator. I mean, he's he was made the first trip around back at Bellator 13, bro. Like, he's been around in the game for a long time. Pretty cool. Um, and last fight I want to go and highlight, highlight. Vanessa Porto, former Invicta champion. Uh, making her return after losing, quote, I mean, I, I say losing, nothing happened uh, in her fight against Liz Carmouche. Uh, so, but I'm glad to see her back. Glad to see her back. But as far as it goes, man, I believe, unless there's anything else you want to highlight, I believe that's all we got for MMA this week. Yeah, no, I mean, before we move on, I just want to highlight also another fight. I mean, Kasan Magomedov, I just butchered that name so fucking hard. I, not, know. I, I was like, that's bold of you, taking the attempt on that one. I, 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 you know, you always got to try, man. You know, you, you try with these Russian names. I mean, it, it's fucking hard when they get past, like, six letters, you know? <laughs> uh, but, yeah, he's making his promotional debut. I believe cousin of, uh, what's his name? I'm blanking on it right now. Uh... Is it, what is it? Uh, is it Islam? No. Is it Beat? I think he's a Beat's cousin, I believe. That's mm-hmm. what I heard. He's making his promotional, pro, promotional debut. So we'll see what he's up to. I know he's game. Obviously, all these guys from Dagestan, all those guys, all those family guys are all, you know, they're all game. We know what they're capable of, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. It's, but as far as it goes, it is a phenomenal Bell Tour card. Um, 
it's something I forgot to put in our uh, our little our little dossier that in the side chat, man. Something I want to get your opinion on real quickly. Um, last week we talked about it, but I forgot to put it in the recap. BKFC last weekend. Only bringing this up for the pure fact that I think it's really, really funny. Um, obviously, the main events of BKFC 19, Rachel Ostevich defeating Paige Van Zandt. Angel, is is Paige Van Zandt good at anything in fighting anymore? I mean, what do what do you what are your kind of what are your kind of your takeaways from that event if you did watch? I mean, Paige is a tough chick. Did I get to give it to her? She goes out there and fucking tries, and then they're not gonna get rid of her. She's going to be a draw for them. Uh, she goes out there and puts on a pretty good show i mean does, did she win is she is she winning no sadly not obviously you want your star person that you spend a lot of money on to win but you also give credit to rachel man rachel came out there and looked pretty fucking good dude like i was really surprised i thought Paige. i mean we both picked Paige to win right kind of behind closed i think doors. we gave predictions but yeah behind closed doors we both thought Paige was gonna win i thought Paige was gonna win very easily uh but no it ended up being rachel also which was ended up coming up top and looking pretty good at that and I'm sure he'll get her in another big event and uh, make her look good as well. I mean, as far as Paige, I mean, I, I it's it's just a game, man. I I gotta give her credit though. I mean, she's working hard for it. I mean, she goes out there, she she does her best. I mean, it's not like she's getting fucking starched, but obviously she's not winning. So I mean, you can't be that happy either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's just interesting though. I mean, I kind of I made the joke about how is she good at anything fighting related anymore. Um, it definitely is interesting to watch kind of her downfall in that aspect because she really – and I talked about it last week, man. But, like, before the injuries, right, and before a lot of stuff started happening, Paige was a legitimate top seven, top five strawweight in the world. And I don't think that's a controversial – the rankings reflected that. I mean she was the favorite going into her fight against Rose. Um, and just watching kind of her downfall, it, it's been sad. Um, but – yeah, I mean, she's still a draw. I'm sure she'll be back. Um, it is telling the fact that BKFC thought this was such a layup because, I mean, Paige, I mean, last time we saw Rachel striking-wise was her getting absolutely battered by a woman who was recently cut from the UFC. Well, actually, I think she's in the UFC now, but um, obviously they brought her back right before that. Like, she's not – she's her striking has always been the worst part of her game, and – I mean, she beat Paige on the feet. She's not. That was a one-off deal. Like that. Apparently, she's not even assigned to BKFC. Uh, so they're not. They're not even going to get the rub of having you know Rachel fight for the title next or something yet. So, um, very interesting though. Very very interesting. It was a fun fight. I'll give BKFC this. They definitely know how to market well. And bro, blue face. <laughs> bro, he looked good, didn't he? Like actually, like I know he, he did. Didn't, he didn't like box someone good, but like him individually, like skill wise. He has some hands, bro. Yeah, he does. And you know what's interesting to me is that I'm I'm hearing talks now. I'm not sure how how realistic this is. Is it true that they're? I mean, you may have more on this than I than I do. Is it true they're trying to make six nine versus Blueface? I mean, he called him out. I mean, he's been calling him out. If they do that, that's a big fight, though. Let me tell you this though: they better do fucking bare knuckle for that. I know they won't. I thought they were going to do bare knuckle. I know. I I thought they were going to do bare knuckle originally for this. I mean, which I mean, I get why they did it. But man, if they did bare knuckle, I mean, you got to give them some respect, right? Oh, that would have been insane, dude. I, th- I think if they, I think if six nine were, or if it were to be six nine blue fish, you got to do bare knuckle, right? If it's in bare knuckle, oh, boxing. you got to. I feel like if 
my thing, my whole thing is, if you're gonna do it in the bare knuckle promotion, you have to do bare knuckle. If you're not in, if they did it in, you know, their own personal promotion, they were just boxing. I really could give, you know, whatever, the, you know, they could do whatever the fuck. They could fucking headbutt for all I want, you know what I mean? For all I care. <laughs> you know, they could do fucking Muay Thai. They could do a Muay Thai match, you know what I mean? Like, but if you're gonna do BKFC, I feel like you gotta do bare knuckle. I'm just gonna keep it 100. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, that's the that's the whole spectacle. Yeah, same page, same page. That's generally what I'm thinking too. But I don't know, man. Just what a and then and the fan jumping in that dude got arrested um which was yeah very, he yeah. should <laughs> as he should but still as he, he, he caught an ass whooping and he got arrested like that yeah. Was, like, yeah no that fucking you know what a fucking idiot right <laughs> what a complete dumbass like if you're gonna try and jump a dude post fight and it's not even like a it's not habib connor situation you know what i mean like where, where habib's boys try to jump connor after the fight mm-hmm. this is just a random guy like it's just do we even know what his whole deal was like did you ever find no. out no, it was just some fan. Like, by I, the way, did you watch it live? You saw the Keemstar uh, Fuzzy Tube commentary, right? Oh my god! Oh my god! Can you believe what is happening? <laughs> you know, you could tell the guy they had on there, the other guy from BKFC, felt so uncomfortable. Like he did Sean not know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you could tell he was kind of like. He was funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually didn't think Keem was bad in commentary. I didn't think Keem was bad. Keem's not bad at talking though. That's the thing. Fuzzy, I thought was way over the top i think fuzzy tries a little hard but i think that's just his general personality when it comes to kind of doing anything like that where you're just trying really hard july 15th angel i know uh they did a little anniversary thing for that by the way i don't know if you saw that yeah not to get too much off topic yeah we'll we'll talk about that off there i never but i did go back and rewatch that documentary lately oh by the way say on pkfc shit did you see the whole like hector lombard tyron woodley thing i'm glad you brought that up because that was the most strange so have you heard the full story? It's like some side chick shit from like back in the day. I think like Woodley was trying to help the side chick. Yeah. Here's my understanding. And it's funny because Hector's the one who put this story out thinking that he like looked good, which I thought was really, really funny. So he's the one who posted it. Basically, like Hector had his girl. He had a wife. And then he had this chick on the side, right? He had he had side you know, piece. He had a side piece, you know, polymol Naji type speak. Um, he had a side piece, right? <laughs> <laughs> he had a side piece, right? And I guess like she got hurt or something. And he like Woodley, like he, I'm not sure how this happened. I guess like she must have been training, and Woodley was like, "Yeah, I'll go ahead and take a look at your knee or something." And then like he's like helping her ice her knee, and then like he's like, I guess he talks shit on Hector or something, and Woodley tried to get with her. And then Hector's like, I'm a piece of shit for, cheat, for cheating on my wife, but this guy has four kids. And I'm like, I'm like, that you can read the caption on Instagram. It is really funny. I'm like, this is the most bizarre thing. And yeah, he tried to he tried to fight him at BKFC. He's like, if I didn't have respect for Dave Feldman, I would I would I would have beat him up. <laughs> and it's like, and like it was funny because like you could tell Woodley was like, bro. It's a side piece. I'm not sure. Like, dude, what is Woodley it called? Did not have any. Qualms. Wasn't he like set it up? Set it up. His, 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 try. He's like set it up. Set it up. And Woodley's like, bro, I'm about to catch a two million dollar check getting my ass beat by Jake Paul next. <laughs> I gotta. I'm busy, bro. I'm later this busy. month. You mean later this month? Oh my God, you're right. We're we're technically we're we're 29 days away, I think, or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because some, some some shit like that. Yeah, yeah. dude, it's crazy. Please. Which, by the way, Jake Paul just announced, which he, he announced an announcement, which I'm personally a fan of, of somebody who does that all the time. 
um, he announced they're going to have two giant fights on that card that just got finalized. So guys should be on the lookout. Jake, Jake Paul promotions. It's happening. Wait, so we don't know who the fights are. No, he just, he just said he got off the call and that it's going to be a massive pay-per-view and there's two giant fights that are like a celebrity or actual, I don't know, but I'm willing to bet it's something celebrity related. Maybe freak show. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. But yeah, man, it's, uh, Hector Lombard, man. What a dick, right? <laughs> I can't believe he posted it thinking, like, it's like... <laughs> have you ever heard those stories of, like, Hector Lombard, like, knocking dudes out during, like, sparring practice? Oh, like, yeah, no I have. I've heard, he's, I've heard he's... Well, look, I'm not... I'm not I, I try to not talk about that stuff, because, like, when it comes to MMA, you hear a lot of stuff when you're in the media. You know what I mean? I've heard other fighters say it, though. That's the issue. <laughs> so, well, they, oh, really? Well, in that case, yeah, yeah I've heard that shit a lot about how. Yeah, like, as I goes, say, I didn't hear, I didn't hear from media. I heard it from another fighter. He went, I, I heard it on a podcast. I think it was Joe. I think it might have been Joe Rogan. He had uh, someone on there, and he was like, "Dude, I went to go train at a, it was it AKA? Because that's where Hector Lombard was at, right? Yeah. Yeah, he said, "Oh yeah, walking into AKA, and uh, you know Hector Lombard is there, and I see him fucking put out a dude, and I'm like, yeah, and then I left. <laughs> so there you go." Okay, so here's – I'm sorry just to go ahead and – to go go back to Hector Lombard and Tyler Woodley. It was like blah, blah, blah. I had a girlfriend and things were going really bad between us, and I had a relationship with another girl in the gym. And, yes, I was wrong for doing that, but I'm not perfect in any shape or form. I'm not, and then and then blah, 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 blah. He tells a story about Tyrone trying to, like, get with her. And, he, and then <laughs> he, he – he, he was putting me down so he'd get his dick wet. Meanwhile, he was married with four kids. Pure bullshit. <laughs> I don't know what to think, man. What, these fucking guys. So, so bizarre. I've not, Like, he posted a thinking like he was the good guy. It was just... Set it up. I still can't get over it. Set that. it up. And, and you see Woodley. Woodley's just feeling awkward. He probably just went just to chill. He's probably Watch just... He's fight. in training camp right now, man. Like, he's... He just got a Bentley. <laughs> You just got a, a used Bentley, Angel. A used Bentley. Hey, just so you know, I heard from a guy who's a millionaire, because I watched his videos say, the best financial choice to do when you buy any fancy car like that is getting it used, because it devalues so much. So you know something? Shout out to Woodley for spending no, his money no, somewhat I'm, wisely. I'm just, I'm just joking around, because like, Jake Paul said that. Said you know, no, but I also want to defend him, because I know there's a lot of people out there who'd be like, what the fuck? You got all this money, you're not buying it fresh off the lot, you know? Well, you know, some I want to at least give him you know, a little support. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll give him the support. We'll give him the support. Um, but yeah, man, as, as far as that goes, I think we kind of we, we spent enough on this topic. Uh, we do got a little bit more to go on the show before we talk about some NBA news. I'll talk to you guys about a new sponsor of the show, Dopey Cookie Dough. Serving up nostalgia with every scoop and curating moment of self-love, Dopey burst onto the scene in 2017 and has since served more than 250,000 cookie dough lovers. Get 10% off your order by using the code SOUTOF at checkout. You can bake it at 350. You can eat it straight out of the freezer. Good for up to a year. Dopey.com. Use code SOUTOF at checkout for 10% of all your order. Fantastic sponsor of the show. Very happy to get him. As a man who has eaten more cookie dough than, honestly, I probably should have gotten a food poisoning um, with how much cookie dough I've, I've eaten throughout my life. Salmonella, I think is what it's called. Very happy to have them on board. Um, moving on down the list, man. Last topic of the day, NBA news. 
uh, the NBA, man, there's nothing like the NBA offseason. There really isn't. No. Um, to put it lightly, honestly, it, it, we, I mean, the season just ended. Just ended. Doesn't matter, though. More news. Uh, Russell Westbrook, I mean, we, he just had this phenomenal year playing in Washington. He had, he had to do, I feel like the first time in a long time, a lot of people respected Russell Westbrook more, probably because they saw how bad the team was around him, with the, with the you know, exception of Bradley Beal and a couple others. Um, and he was really just putting the team on his back at points. Russell Westbrook is now a Los Angeles Laker. It, the deal was officially made yesterday. They've agreed to a trade. Russell Westbrook will be going in exchange for Kyle Kuzma, Montrez Harrell, KCP, and the number 22 pick in the NBA draft, as well as a 2024 and 2028 second round pick. Angel, my man, initial thoughts. Does this does this rival Brooklyn's big three? I mean, in some capacity, yes, it should. Right? That does not answer my question. <laughs> it should. It should in some capacity. Like, it's, <laughs> it's pretty close. I don't I don't I don't necessarily say it's on the same level. Okay. Fair enough. Like, realistically, you put all the guys together, like, yeah, LeBron, AD are really high up there, but you still got to think about it, like, Westbrook in comparison to KD, James Harden, and Kyrie, you got a pretty solid argument for all those three guys over Westbrook, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I'm going to just keep it 100. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. But as far as what are your kind of thoughts on the trade, I know you're talking about off-air about how good this kind of trade is actually for the Wizards. I didn't think it was a bad trade for the Wizards. I think if they at some point get rid of uh, Bradley Beal, maybe in the trade scenario, I don't know if they'll be able to with obviously this contract. But uh, they got Kuz, not a bad piece, young. They got a lot of forward, like a lot of big forwards, which going, ugh, I was going to say going forward, but fuck me. I guess we're going to have to say it anyways. Going forward, uh, you know, uh, you know, you want to go young. They, realistically, they need to recognize that, you know, uh, the John Wall, Bradley Beal experiment has been over for a while now. That team is not going to happen. Uh, they, they were like, maybe you could do it with the Westbrook and maybe we can maybe build around it at some point. We'll see them gun guys. That's not going to happen either. So I think them getting Trez, who's a good guy who maybe, you know, with some young guys around him, they could uh, be competitive, build a good culture, hope the young guys come up and, uh, Obviously, they got KCP as well, who's also young. He doesn't look young, but he is young as well. I think he's, in, what, like 25, maybe? He's real young, too. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, you, you wouldn't think it, but he's real young as well. Uh, you know, they, they, they need to think about that. They need to start thinking about getting into, you know, uh, the trade market and, and getting more picks, getting young guys in their team, building up their system, or developing a system for their youth, and uh, tell them, you know, getting them on the on the, all on the same page about how going forward, hey, we're not going to be great. It's going to be honest. We're going to work hard, though, and be competitive. And we're going to develop a culture where we're going to be young, strong, and, uh, you know, continue, hopefully make our way into our playoffs and at some point be contenders. Mm-hmm. And they, they are, you know, they are a ways off from that. But I, I am kind of on the same wavelength with you. Honestly, I was at the time, I honestly did not even know. Montrose Harrell was a part of this trade literally until an hour ago. I completely overlooked that piece of information because I remember when we were thinking like, oh, yeah, they're going to get Kuz and KCP. I mean, KCP's, you know, you don't want to lose those guys. They're good role players. Kuzma's really driven down his his kind of trade value over the last year and a half. Um, but KCP is still, than that. 
yeah, but I mean, like, you know what I mean? Like, he's he's, he's driven his player value down a lot more recently. Uh, KCP, he's a good role player to have, but you're not going to – you're going to hate that he's leaving, but, you know, for the return that you're getting, you'll be fine. Harrell leaving is a lot more of an issue to me personally. I think that's, like, a lot more significant. Um, you didn't use Trez a lot, though, in the offseason. Granted, though, their offseason was very short. That's true. And if I remember correctly, wasn't he hurt for the latter half of the season? Yeah, that's the other issue, too. Trez was also hurt. Yeah, and so that's partially why they went out and got Drummond, and he really didn't contribute much, uh, honestly, at all. Um, but, and by the way, there's they have to be getting rid of Drummond soon, right? Like, that, he has to be trade bait for somebody, because there's no fucking way they're letting Drummond or Westbrook be on the same court. I don't... They'll they'll never play at the same time on the court. That's for sure. Yeah, that's that's what I'm trying to say. I, I but I, that's a good trade value though. I'm sure they could get something out of that. Like they could get some shooters, some good stuff with that. Honestly, I don't know who they get. Yeah, I mean, he was not a, he was not a good fit in L.A. I remember thinking whenever he went ahead, they actually went and got him. I was like, damn dude, Drummond. You thought, like, it, was, Drummond? You thought it was gonna be Boogie and uh, AD back, which no, like, no, no way. Boogie Boogie's ten times Drummond. Honestly, in his prime, but Boogie's super. I, I, I don't know. I'm always been a fan of Marcus Cousins. Just in his prime, he's. I feel like he's one of those guys that we're gonna forget about in like five, seven years, and we're gonna forget just how fucking good. I think people already forget forget Probably. how good. Oh yeah, is. But without a fact, without a doubt, yeah, people have already. Forgot regardless him. of that, I remember thinking when they got Drummond, I'm like, oh shit, dude, Drummond, that's a good get. And then he proceeded to do nothing of value. He had some. Decent individual performances. I just think with that team and how they function, it it was just not gonna work out. I think he'd be great in Atlanta, personally, to be honest with you. Mm. Well, that being said, right now, dude, I mean, they got Drummond, they got Westbrook, they got obviously AD, and they got the star of Space Jam too, LeBron James. So, I mean, overall, you know, we'll see what happens. I mean, they are apparently looking into getting more dudes as well. Buddy Heald apparently could be making the move. Um, which I like that a lot. I would love that move a lot. Just as like, I think Buddy Hield is he's been wasting his career at Sacramento. Like honestly, so I would love to see him. See, actually, I, I refer back to that team. That that's a team that should be a lot better than what they are in reality. Yeah, I have no idea, and especially after like, I want to say it was 2018. They were like, yeah, I just I looked it up right now. 2018, they were. I think two games away from making the playoffs. They they won 39 games, which, I mean, on paper it doesn't sound like a whole lot, but in the West, which is a fucking bloodbath, that's not the bad. young team. Yeah, super young team. It was it was Buddy. Um, generally, I mean, what was that Fox's second year? Maybe third yeah. year. Yeah, yeah. It was it was really Buddy and Fox kind of leading the charge, and they also had you know Harrison Barnes, a couple other dudes on there as well. So I mean, they got the front really office said, "Fuck the coach, fuck this team." You know, let's just. We, we have to go out and get Luke Walton. Yeah. What the fuck? And then they're still doing. It. I, I I don't give a shit. I don't even want to talk about it. I'm just. I'll be happy for Buddy Heald if he gets out of that situation. That's the sole reason why I like that trade. But you know, it is what it is. As far as the NBA goes, as far as anything else goes, man, do you got anything else before you want to close out? No, man, I'm just really excited to come back. I, you know, I look at the results of this, you know, these two, uh, uh, well, I guess, Bell Tournament and uh, Fight Night. And obviously next week, big fucking pay-per-view. We're hanging out for that one again. I don't think we're going to go as crazy at all out. We did 
for this one as much as we did for the last one. Oh, but we'll yeah. definitely we'll definitely enjoy this one a lot. We'll have a lot of fun. And uh yeah, I know I'm I'm just super excited, man. Um hope hopefully tomorrow night we get great fights. Obviously big month coming forward. I think we got you know Manny's coming up. We got boxing coming up and another obviously the the whole Jake Paul thing. And uh great pay reviews. Tough is going good, tough is getting real good. Uh last week's uh this last week's fight was really good. Hopefully this next week's fight's also good. Um so yeah, man, I'm 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 just generally excited. Me too, man, me too. It's it's been a it's been a fun time for sports. Um obviously a lot of been trades have been going down and overall just it's it's been fun across combat sports and it's also been fun just across, you know, normal sports as well. So um that being said, man, um that's that's all that's all I got. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Um, I'm at Josh Shevinoff on Twitter. He's at Angel to- Angel. Oh my God, fuck Angel Ortega underscore O one. The underscore part always fucks me up, man. Because um, I'm completely just not good at speaking. Um, this is your I, fucking stupid, dude. No, I, I was about to say it's because I'm a complete dumbass. Um, but um, as far as that goes as well, at Quartet Sound One is the official. Twitter, if you guys want to go ahead and go give that a follow as well. That's all I got. Peace and butt grease. Mouse click.